0: Hello, I'm Dylan, and I'm Keon, and I'm John, and this is Zenith at podcast with a pet rock because this week we watched the Harvest of Kairos, written by Ben Steed, directed by Gerald Blake,
1: and aired on February fourth,
0: nineteen eighty. So here on Zenith, we're premiering live, not only making Blake Seven's <laughs> voice but his name <laughs> as well. We have an exclusive scoop right here. Hello. Yeah, so we're joined by John, the man behind the mosque, so to speak.
1: The man, the myth, the legend, as you said. <laughs> the man, the yes. myth, the legend.
2: <laughs> I am a man, indeed. No, guys, I can't do the Javik voice for this long. I'm just going to be myself. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can't do the woman, you are beautiful for 45 minutes. It's not happening. Uh,
0: I mean, you got a good solid, uh, like, two minutes out of it, and, you know, that's more than I would ever yeah. get. So. More than I, <laughs> I can usually me?
2: sustain anything, so...
0: so yeah we're basically
1: is i I was wondering is this actually the sort of premiere of your you know voice
0: has your voice premiered online anywhere before today
2: (laughs) um not in a making blake seven um context but Hmm. i have another twitter account called who fx Okay and oh. I have spoken to the the guys on I don't know if you've heard of it, Radio Free Scarrow. It's quite a popular yeah. podcast. Okay, yeah. We'll I think everyone it.
1: listens to the, so, to that one. So. Yes.
2: Yeah, so they've had me on a few times. But th- no, but this I'm not trying to spoil your you know exclusive. This is the first time as <laughs> making wow. As making Black <laughs> Seven. Seven. Yeah, so this is a the a first.
0: Well I think we just overplayed the uh the premiere for comedic <laughs> effect
1: really <laughs> right I, I know i was planning on um actually really trying to hype this up on on twitter and, and i haven't done a good job of that um so far because my internet has been really janky for the past week so. well this oh,
2: can, episode doesn't go out for a week sorry go yeah, ahead true i can hype it up i can i'll put some nice pictures online and get people listening yeah <laughs> cool. yeah because this is a year ahead for me because i'm doing um series b at the moment so it's it was quite nice to actually skip forward and watch a series c episode right
1: Right. even,
2: th- even though it's this one <laughs>
0: <laughs> even though it's this one
2: i I've got to say, I love this one i don't know if, if it's too soon for me to say that but um i it's it is terrible but it's really good as well i just it's it i should hate it and i used to hate it but i, I just love it now i really do
1: oh that's that's actually really surprising to me because i love this episode this is one of my
2: favorites oh great <laughs> i like it <laughs> Oh, that's so nice to hear! Yeah, when it first came out on VHS, I mean, I have very vague memories of watching it when it was first on, but I just didn't like it at all. And then, just over the years, I I watched it a couple of times at university with friends, and you know, we we just laugh at it. And I think there there is a lot of unintentional humor in here, but it's (laughs) a lot of it is intentional, and it's just. Uh, I think it's really exciting and a lot happens and there's some pretty major moments in it. But I, I think it's just a lot of fun. It's just a, a yeah, very, very funny episode.
0: Well, that's exciting. I mean, I went into this episode in the first five minutes. I was like, great. This episode was going to suck, isn't it? And then it didn't. So uh,
2: that's... But everyone hates this episode. Absolutely. It's one of the most hated episodes. It's, I, that's, I think, one of the great things about your podcast, that you're just coming at it fresh with no... Preconceived ideas, um, and there's been quite a few where you've just gone completely against the perceived wisdom, which is which is I think is great.
0: I mean, we tore a volcano. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to do that one with you, wasn't I? And I just, of course, I couldn't make it. But um, I, mean, I chose uh, that's just like a very middle of the road episode. Volcano, isn't it? It's just it. Not a lot goes on, so I, I deliberately chose that initially as one for us to do together, just as a, a bit of a challenge, really. But
1: right and that's that's what i was just about to ask actually is did you choose you know volcano and then and then when that didn't sort of pan out this one because they're sort of you know lukewarmly received episodes
2: well there's a lot to talk about in this one you know i mean pretty much every scene has got something brilliant going on like and hilarious and colorful and stupid and brilliant so yeah there's a lot a lot to unpack in this one i think
0: well, so right yeah, off the bat, before we get into that, we should do our dumb little quiz questions that we started right. doing two weeks ago. Uh, so who's going to go first this time?
1: You want to go first, John? Is there yeah, a you want to take, yeah. uh, take the bull by yeah. the horns, jump right in.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So my question is, um, what color is the drink that Servalan and Jarvik have um, after their... Um, uh, Rendezvous, shall we say? <laughs> so, yeah, what color is the drink? It's the drink that they've got curly straws, um, right. which I just So, is brilliant.
0: <laughs> we'll have a picture of that in the show notes because that yeah, gets a reference just... in Drano's email later on. Right. So, we'll have a picture of that in the show notes. But don't look because it'll spoil the onset. <laughs>
1: <answer. laughs> a striking image, curly straws in Bleak 7.
0: All right, so. All right, so...
1: I'll I'll go next. Mine is, Servaland wears an asymmetrical outfit in this episode. Which side is the huge shoulder pad thing on?
0: <laughs> Mine is slightly more complex. When the Liberator is leaving the planet at the start of the episode, which quadrant does it actually leave through? Is it the Alpha Quadrant, the Beta Quadrant, the Delta Quadrant, or the Gamma Quadrant? Mysterious. And that, out of the way, now we can jump right into the plot of the episode, featuring Avon and Callie being completely MIA for the first, like, five
1: minutes. (laughs) Right, how does this actually open? What's the initial, what's the first shot? I can't seem to remember.
2: The the first shot, the very first shot, is a really nice model of um, the Liberator in orbit of the planet. I don't think it gets a name. It's the planet where Avon finds the rock.
0: Yeah, I don't think it gets a name. Right.
2: It's it's quite yeah, it's quite a nice shot, and I just wanted to mention that because I always stick up for the visual effects in Blake 7, but there are, there are some less impressive effects coming up. So I think it's, um. at least it starts well and then goes down in terms of effects, I think.
1: No, I, I really did like a lot of the model work in this, especially when the Liberator is spinning and they're like, whoa, yeah. oh, it's... Yeah, uh, I made a note of that.
2: That is so good. Yeah, that's a great shot.
0: Because we never seen the Liberator spin like that before, so when it happened, I was like, "Whoa, yeah. something new for the Liberator to do." Because and, and they
1: even they pointed out they draw a lot of attention to it. I think Servalan is like, "Whoa, it's it's spinning," or maybe it's Jarvik. I'm I'm not sure.
0: Yes, well, that's Tarrant doing his space captain thing.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's Tarrant's episode, really, isn't it? He he really is in charge here. He's just you know when Servalan refers to the crew. It's, you know, it's Tarrant's crew and, you know, Jarvik and Servalan He is the one, he's the main antagonist. You know, they don't even mention Avon and Tarrant's just basically giving everyone orders and he's completely in charge, which is uh, interesting. It's that part of the time in the season when they hadn't, I don't think, quite got the, the character dynamics sorted. So they were still working out the relationship between Tarrant um, and Avon and the others. But he's. I think this is possibly the most dominant he is Hmm. But that could be because it's Ben Steed writing, and he likes um, male characters to be dominant. <laughs> oh yikes!
1: Well, there were uh, you know a few at least good character moments for Dana and Callie Avon Villa, maybe to a lesser extent. But Dana I mean, at the end was was fairly awesome. You know, she had a, a fight scene, and she she got some cool lines. Callie also with the, the Sopran and everything.
0: I mean, Avon just kicks it this whole episode. He just kicks back and relaxes, basically. I was going to say, yeah, it's a Tarrant episode, but to me it feels like the the plucky young second in command is trying how to sea legs for the first time, trying to run the crew, and, and the captain's just sitting in the background watching, like taking notes, like <laughs> criticizing his every move, which is really what's happening in this episode. Yeah. is Avon's just criticizing Tarrant all the way, but not
2: actually doing anything about it.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I loved Avon in this episode.
2: He's great. He's, he's basically comic relief, isn't he? But he, I think you're right, he just lets Tarrant, he gives him enough rope to hang himself, but it's Avon who actually comes in at just uh, at several key points in the episode and saves the day, and he just does it so casually. And Paul Darrow actually hated this script. Um, he, he hated the way Avon was written, but I think just the way he plays it, even though he's, Avon is so out of character in some ways, he just because it's Paul Darrow, he manages to make it seem... Quintessentially Avon in everything he does, and he's—I <laughs> just love it when he's playing with the rock and it explodes, and he's just like, "Oh, sorry." right
0: I mean, there's so many just great casual Avon moments in this episode, including the final scene, which <laughs> I just was I thought was the best scene of this entire episode. But we're not quite there yet. I think what happens is the Liberator gets attacked before they leave this planet, and Sov lands in her like. I guess it's new Space Command, which is way dingier and 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 more dilapidated
2: than the previous Space Command. Well, did you notice that? Uh, yeah, it, it's basically the same set. You know, she's had a, she got a new spaceship in um, Volcano mm-hmm. that looked looked a bit like a shark flying through space, and they've used the same set um, right. to represent the inside of Space Command. So it's a bit, it's a little bit confusing, really. Yeah but they do refer to it as Space Command, so it is still supposed to be the same place that we saw in the first two series, so it is a bit confusing, that I think. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I picked up on that. Did you?
0: No, I didn't recognize yeah. that it was the same set, and frankly, I rarely ever recognize that things are the same set on <laughs> the show, oh, they do a pretty good job of actually
2: disguising it, in my opinion. That's just me watching it with my Making Blake 7 head on. You know, I just can't <laughs> help but notice these things that probably no one else would ever notice. But.
0: Well... Yeah, you know, Silverland's just trying the usual brute force attack on the Liberator and-, and
1: it's it's not really working. She's she's getting pretty, you know, mad and and uh then she learns that there's dissent in uh, her uh, in ranks. The ranks. Yeah.
0: In the construction crew.
1: <laughs> right. Her I forget what um this guy's name is, but sort of her her um Cap- and I don't Captain I don't know what chief. he is actually either now that, <laughs> that I bring oh, it up. Second
2: in command. <laughs> He's called Dastor. Yeah, he's just some old fogey. He's just <laughs> hanging around. Uh, now Travis is gone. That you find that Sirvelan basically has different hangers-on in each episode. There's never a, um, a, anyone who recurs in more than one episode. So, right. I mean, yeah, I he's have just a,
0: a note in this. I was like, is Jarvik the new Travis? But then Jarvik just eats it at the end of the episode. Yeah. So I guess the answer to that question is no.
1: <laughs> and we said the same thing about Mori as well in Volcano. And then Mori
0: ate it at the end of that episode. <laughs>
2: I don't think Jarvik's really dead. I think he was just stunned. I think just as the credits came in, I think he woke up maybe a second later and, women, help me. <laughs> <laughs> the love of a good woman would have probably brought him around, I think.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Dana's not touching that with a 10-foot pole, and I doubt Callie's going to go anywhere near that <laughs> either, so she's just going to have to die on the way unloved and alone. Oh. But, yeah, the Dastor is like, yo some dude down in the construction ranks is like any fool could take the liberator with three ships. And she's like, who's this idiot? Bring him up here. Let's talk with him. And they bring up Jarvik and he's uh well, he's, he's quite a character, shall we say?
2: What did you think of him? Did you like him?
0: He's kind of so comically over the top. I think you have to like him.
2: Yeah. I, I think the guy playing the part, his name's um, Andrew Burt. Mm-hmm. And he was not hugely famous, but he was, Quite a big name for Blake Seven, I think. He he used to be the lead actor in a, a soap opera we've got over here called Emmerdale Farm. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I it's still going. It. Have you ever watched it. it? It's still going today, and he was like the first star, and he recently left that, and um, he had been in loads of other things as well. So he was he is definitely the big guest star of the episode, and I, I think he kind of plays against the lines in a way because he, I think it's almost like the actor knows how ridiculous it is, and he he just he plays it, and it's really larger than life. Uh, kind of way, but it 's because of him that the episode is quite reviled in by most fans because mm-hmm. um he 's just seen as incredibly sexist um,
1: yeah and can he, see it's, bad.
2: he he is completely yeah. no you know if you couldn 't show this episode today with it 's just beyond spoof really but i and that to be honest it 's never really bothered me that much, but I can definitely see why people have a problem with it, but if you just think the character is ridiculous if you if you just bear that in mind, it actually makes the whole episode. Very amusing, I think. Uh, but I think people have c- concerns about Ben Steed and his his views because I don't want to spoil anything that's coming up. But he does two more episodes after this one, and they're they're all about the battle of the sexes and women never <laughs> come out well. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. So that is, I think, why people think this episode stinks a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I can definitely see that in in this episode at least. You know, I don't know what's coming up, but in this episode at least, you can there, there's definitely like a misogyny to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also like a villain, right? He's, well, maybe not so much at the end with his, you know, the, his quote-unquote redemption with Tarrant being like he was more than just a, a thug or whatever, but he's also like, you know, the antagonist of the episode. And it didn't really, it didn't, I, I, I sort of feel the same way. It didn't necessarily bother me too much. I mean, it didn't
0: turn me off to the episode, but while I was watching it, I was like,
1: uh, <laughs> Ben, what,
0: what what have you written? <laughs> yeah, Ben, because like it, 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 I feel like they take it so far that they like Servalan goes completely out of character at some point because at this point Jarvik like kisses her wildly, kind of almost reminded me of Sean Connery in basically any Bond movie.
1: (laughs) Well, I was actually, I was confused about this moment because I didn't, I couldn't tell whether Jarvik was, you know, the one initiating that or whether it was Servalan or I didn't know it was going, it was Jarvik it turns out.
2: Yeah, Jarvik kind of just grabs her. Yeah, I, it I was, do, but then, yeah. but later on, though, she says there is that small matter of the degrading act you subjected me to yeah. in the control room earlier. I would like you to do it again. Right. So that that's a brilliant line, and it, it does make it like, like Servaline is in control. So that the first time he grabs her, you think oh, got, he's her power is diminished, but she, it just turns out she really fancies him, and she's she wants a piece of the action. And throughout <laughs> the episode, she's got his his life in her hand. You know, she is still in charge um okay she gets thrown around a little bit i, I should i better be careful what i say here but um <laughs> but this, this is a whole a new performance really from jacqueline pierce of Servalan. you know this is serverland has never seemed quite so sexual and it's a really interesting performance and i don't know if you guys know this and jacqueline pierce has spoken very openly about this so i'm not talking out of turn but between the second series and the third series she had this mad love affair. She went to America and she met a guy there and Although she had been men in her life before and she'd been married, basically she had a sexual awakening and um so she just that's why when she came back for the third series um she suddenly Silverline is much more sensual and larger than life, and the costumes are even more outrageous and the 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 red nails and the lipstick and that I think it's at its peak in this episode that basically Jacqueline Pierce is just. Uh, let's just say found a, another level to the character <laughs> yeah <laughs> the only is-, sad is the guy she met in america turned out to be gay oh she knew that going in she knew that so that it didn't quite work out because this small matter that he was gay but um it did the trick it, it pepped her up shall we say that's you can edit that out spicy actually <laughs> that
1: is really fascinating I, and i don't think I, I didn't know anything about that no
0: i didn't know anything about that but you I think- should We've read mentioned.
2: her autobiography because it. She goes into a lot of detail, and it we is hilarious. It's brilliant. It's called um, I think from Byfleet to the Bush. It's I think you can get it from possibly Big Finish or. Uh, can it's I worthless. buy it on
0: Amazon? That's the big question. Can I buy it on Actually, Amazon and have it shipped in two days?
2: It, honestly, it's a fantastic read. She only talked about Blake Seven in passing because she can't really remember anything, but that doesn't matter. It's it. She's had a fascinating life, and she's very open. And it's it, yeah, it's. I'd recommend it highly.
0: I mean, I feel like Surland's always, to an extent, been a little bit sensual because we've always talked on this show how it seems like there are like passing references or passing. Uh, insinuations that sort of then like slept away up to the top yeah. in some way there's there's always like some guy who comes in and is like oh you're so pretty and she's like yeah i know, <laughs> you know? Well,
2: she's always been very tactile hasn't she like i think in the very first episode there's, is it ray mm-hmm. the young guy who comes in and there's a clear implication that there's been some kind of relationship there but it's always been subtle and light whereas here she's basically and if you think about what she's like with avon in aftermath as well she's much more um forward shall we right. say you know, I, I mean, this one
1: Silverland this week. <laughs> this one does it features. Uh, I mean, by what I guess are nineteen eighty standards, like you know, an explicit sort of sex scene, right? I mean, it's nothing's ever shown, but you know, that's what it what that scene is. So, Dave yeah, there's John no doubt that
2: you know they haven't just had a clinch; they've on yeah. more than one occasion as well. They basically can't wait to get out of that control room and into Silverland's quarters, basically. You know,
1: so when Jar, uh, Jarvik shows up. There's something interesting going on here because he's a a construction grade, I think they call him, which is interesting. So what I thought was going to happen is something similar to, you know, I think what Villa said in, I forget what it was, Volcano, possibly? I think it was was Volcano. Where he go? where Villa... He's like,
0: I bought that rank.
1: Right. He goes, I bought that rank. So I thought Jarvik, I thought they were going to go into detail about how Jarvik, you know, is this like brilliant tactician or... Uh, you know, some sort of mastermind, but you know, he his, his rank prevented him from ever doing anything with that. I, I mean, there's there's more to it than that. There's uh it's, they don't really ever.
0: Well, he uh, used to be I a mean, space yeah, captain. Yeah, they, exactly, is the so thing. He more... was Tarrant's commanding officer. Right. Which, speaking of which, I went back and looked up if Tarant, what Tarrant actually told Avon in Power Play. And apparently, Tarrant told Avon that he deserted the Federation, but then he quote rejoined the Federation unquote to fight the Andromedans. So I'd always assumed that the way Tarrant had said it to Avon that he had never been part of the Federation, but apparently he told Avon he deserted.
2: Yeah, they. they I think, that, yeah, he was, he used to be a Federation officer, he deserted, he became a mercenary, and then, then the war broke out and he just basically jumped in. The thing right. is, Stephen Pacey is 20, was 22 when this episode was made. I it's all
0: huh. I am. Yeah, Well, I'm tw-
2: 22. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, he, I mean, that's, young and the the character was originally supposed to be a lot older it was the character was originally called the captain and that they were going to get somebody in their 50s to play it and then they decided to bring that down to somebody who was about 35 and then well, the um,
0: 35 they quite a bit <laughs> there
2: well apparently Stephen pacey just turned up and the production secretary just basically fell in love with him and said you've got to hire him um, and i think he's great in this episode i think he you can believe that he's older than 22 i mm-hmm. think uh, and he, I think he is written as quite an arrogant character, but I think Stephen Pacey nicely underplays it, so Tarrant doesn't seem too cocky. Well, well
1: there, there's there's sort of a foil uh, type situation between you know him and Avon at least it, 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 that's that's sort of played up in this episode. Right, he's a bit over the top in this episode, and and Avon is more downplayed than really he ever has been.
0: Right. Well, that's because once again, it's a it's a. Dell episode,
1: yeah,
2: basically yeah, this is the last time Tarrant is really seen as the as being in charge and <laughs> last last week he was a bit bossy too, wasn't it? He? he was trying to there's a bit of a vying for top dog spot between him and Avon, but from here on in, I mean no spoilers, but it levels off, and Avon is without any doubt the in charge, basically,
0: probably because everybody on the Liberator crew watched terence performance in this story and we're like well let's let's not do that and, anymore I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean
2: doesn't do great does he bless him
1: and plus i'm sure the next time there's a chris Boucher script you know it's gonna be <laughs> all avon all day no i don't know well so the
0: jarvik is like well here so here's my plan i just need three ships and i can just i can just capture the liberator and Servaland's like his serverland apparently just buys into this but because she, I guess she's just so out of options at this point. She's like, "Yeah, I wanna, whatever." You got three of the most advanced ships in my entire fleet.
1: Well, at, at this point, I think her her ego is is hurting a little bit. She's like, she she doesn't want to admit that this is even a possibility. So she just goes, oh, "Okay, here here are these ships, go do your thing," and thinks that he's going to massively fail.
0: I mean, it's kind right? of a mirroring between Sovlan and Avon. Almost, they both give these second in commands just complete control of their respective sides just to just to kind of watch them basically fall apart in key moments. Serverland's giving Jarvik the three ships he wants and basically free reign to do whatever. Avon's giving Tarrant basically free reign to do whatever with the Liberator as long as they go to Kairos. And so there's a lot there's a lot of interesting mirroring going on between Avon and Serverland there, I think.
1: Right. There's there's we've talked about in previous weeks how Series C is touching on these points of like belief and um, how that leads to power and 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 lies and what you can do with all of that. And this episode doesn't do that as much. Um, but at the end, there's some very interesting stuff with that going on with with the the rock, the Sopron. and uh, to me, in that sort of final moment, Avon and Jarvik are almost paralleled. But we'll we'll get there.
2: I think it's really interesting that you've picked up on that theme. I've obviously been listening to the the podcasts, and it. You've highlighted things I've never really noticed before, but it's definitely a big theme in this season, um, and it all culminates in the the season finale. I won't obviously won't say anything about that, but it's yeah the perception of what's real and what isn't, and and the manipulation of that is it's definitely a a key theme this season, and you've just yeah really underlined that over the last couple of weeks. It's, and it's yeah I'd never really thought to make that connection with Sophron as well, but yeah it's definitely yeah similar yeah it's it's been fascinating to me
0: With avon's pet rock <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> I, I love when they when they're down on that planet and they beam up and they're wearing these great respirators they these masks that are just barely managing to stay on their faces it's, it's i love those little, <laughs> little costumes
1: and what does villa say when when he um when they get back he's like oh if i knew i was just going to be carrying the bags i would have never gone down something along it's those something lines
2: yeah, and he said he would have worn thermal underwear, I think, or something like that if yeah. it was so cold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, Avon yeah, told him it was going to be earth temperatures.
2: Yeah, I mean, Michael Keaton is given very little to do in this episode, but every line he does get, he he's, he nails it, of course.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, as always, we've always talked yeah. about Avila as the most reasonable Liberator crew member. <laughs> he's always the voice yeah, of reason, really. He's always yeah. the guy who's like, maybe we should take a step back, and then Avon's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> So well they decide to go to Kairos because they're like, Man, we're gonna get this sick rock. <laughs> so-, right, so
1: so on Kairos they mine um, I think it's Chiron. called Kairopan. Um so that's Not the high, be confused that's-, with <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the harvest that the episode title refers to. And the the orbit of the planet around its sun takes fifteen Earth years and there's only one harvest in that cycle.
0: Yeah, because you can't be on the planet outside the harvest because everybody who's on the planet outside the harvest dies. So and they don't and know a, what from. They just die.
2: I love the scene where they leave the uh, the laborers behind as well because serverland they said, that we've got too much Kyropan, we can't lift off. And Servaland just, just leave the, <laughs> the, the workers. There. She doesn't even give it a second thought. And then you've got one of the guards basically taunting them and saying, well, you're just going to have to die, and then they take off and leave him there. I I just think that is a great little scene. And even the guards, they leave the guard
0: behind too, and he's like, no, what, no.
2: (laughs) Yeah, what? And when they filmed that, um, Gareth Thomas, um, who I'm sure you know, played Blake, he (laughs) turned up, because he was going out with the makeup designer at the time, Sheila Reese. Hmm. So he just happened to turn up on location, and he even – filmed a little kind of outtake where blake gets zapped but um (laughs) which is just a shame they didn't give him a little proper cameo in the episode but it might have been hard to work that into the narrative i think
1: (laughs) yeah i wonder if i wonder if we can find that online that outtake. yeah it was it's it's on the dvd
0: it's um john has it somewhere since (laughs) he has like massive swaths of information
2: on the production of blake seven yeah, well, just tune in next year when I get to that episode and it, I'll, I'll, I'll share it then. But um, I'll send you a little screen grab. It's quite a nice little moment. Sure,
0: sure. Well, now I'm imagining them having this running gag where they just film Gareth Thomas dying in every single episode <laughs> and then they just like insert it into the background. With ah, just Blake that dying been great, in the background of every episode. <laughs> just like, out of focus in the corner of, the, uh, of your eye. You just see Blake keel over and die every episode.
2: Oh, that would have been great.
0: So, this is actually related to my what would Blake moment, what would Blake do moment uh, for this episode. I, I, my what would Blake do moment is that Blake wouldn't really take them to Kairos because he wouldn't see any reason to. Because in this episode, uh, Tarrant and Avon, I think, are like, well, we're going to go to Kairos because we're going to engage in a little piracy. We're going to make a little money. And Blake was never about the money. Blake was never about engaging in piracy. And so, I think if Blake was in this situation, this story wouldn't have even happened because he wouldn't have <laughs> gone anywhere near Kairos yeah, that's a really
2: good point. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing about Series C. There is no. I mean, there's even Tarrant even says it, doesn't he? There is no Federation anymore. So, mm-hmm. got to do something.
0: Well, when he says that, Villa's like, I think it's Villa. It might be Avon's like, tell that to Serval.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's Villa, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are quite. This is the beginning of their kind of aimless period now, because the Federation is effectively, you know, not destroyed, but it's it's on its, um, it's not right, exactly right. on its uppers. Yeah. But they don't do anything about it. They just, anyway. Sorry, potential spoilers. There, I'll stop talking. Hmm.
0: <laughs> they don't drive the knife through the heart and just wipe out the Federation for good. I mean, no, they basically, do yeah, it. just did it. It's just, just, a just a bit done of down here and there. It's done.
1: Yeah, I think if, yeah. if Blake were still around, you know, he would see that the Federation or, or what Serverland has sort of rounded up, I guess you could say, is so like, like you said, on life support that they could, if they went for it, as. as
0: as hard as they did last yeah, season yeah
1: exactly they could just wipe them out
2: i quite like the fact that they don't because um you know avon's in charge it you know although they all followed blake initially they are criminals and and it, in this season that now blake's gone they could easily have just said well we must follow in his footsteps but they didn't they just they're just a bunch of people who are sticking together for survival and they're just you know what are we going to do this week you know we're we going to how are we going to make more money and I think that's quite nice that there is no crusade against the federation they're just a bunch of self-interested criminals flying about the galaxy right, in a right. fantastic spaceship i think that's actually quite quite nice
0: <laughs> well there is this interesting inversion actually from series a and b because uh, uh, series b especially because in series b so just like oh blake's just a thorn on our side he can't really do anything he hasn't done anything major and then there's this interesting like swap almost, where Series C the Federation is so just completely decimated that at this point it's actually the the Federation that's the thorn in the Liberator crew's side. The Federation kind of just pokes and prods the Liberator like every couple of weeks and then the Liberator just kind of shrugs it off. I mean, this week is the closest they've ever gotten to actually succeeding, but a yeah, lot of that is so just down point. to Jarvik just being a complete <laughs>
2: lucky bastard, really. <laughs> But that's the great thing about this episode, isn't it? It's the closest Serverland has ever come. You know, it's the first time we see her on the Liberator, and she basically wins. You know, she takes the Liberator, the crew are left on a, on a planet with no hope of survival or escape. It's pretty dramatic stuff.
0: I mean, it almost undermines Serverland completely, though, because at the end of the episode, the reason why she doesn't win is because she's she leaves because it's, she believes the, yeah, the Sopran. It's, it's
1: because of a bluff, yeah. and I love that. I love that. <laughs>
0: And is yeah, like, that's so not going, <laughs> What are you
2: doing? Yes, Javik is the voice of the audience at that point, isn't he? He's like, are you
0: crazy? <laughs> so, basically. Uh, they, they,
1: they're, they're trying to um, consult with Avon. They, Tarrant wants to ask Avon whether he thinks it's a good idea to go uh, after the Kyker or not. And Avon's just like, do whatever you want, leave me alone. I'm- yeah, he's
0: like, hang on, come over here. I just got Orak to admit that there's something smarter than him in the universe. <laughs> he's like, hey guys, check
1: this out. is going to admit he's not the smartest being in the universe. So Orak, and this is sort of where we learn that the Sopron is alive in some sense. Well, that's what we learn now, at least.
0: Yeah, because Orak's like, yeah, in a sense, technically, maybe marginally, it could be possibly slightly more intelligent
2: than me barely
1: which Avon gets a total kick out of
2: <laughs> well and I mean, then he takes Callie away doesn't he as well i mean why on earth Callie goes with avon when the ship is under attack <laughs> is not really i mean very I, clear. I,
0: I love the scene because uh, javik's got his three ship his three alpha tens i think they're called or, or class 10 pursuit ships attacking the liberator and Jarvik's like, oh, they've left their flank exposed or their rear exposed. So he shoots them and it causes like a whole ton of damage to the Liberator. And then uh, Tanner is like, what the hell, guys? I told you to overlap the force wall. And then Dana's like, I didn't know how. And Tanner's like, didn't Callie show you? And he looks at callie car and Callie's gone. He's like, oh, <laughs> God damn it. And he just like storms off the bridge because he knows exactly where Callie is. And he knows exactly what's going on here.
1: Right, she's in a room with Avon, and they're...
0: They're alone,
2: and the lights are low, <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, some really lovely, moody lighting in that scene, yeah. And they, and they actually are in a bit of a clinch, aren't they, when Tarrant comes in, and he's, he says something like, is this now really the right time? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but Callie sees her parents. She, she she I, I guess, has some sort of psychic... She contacts the Sopron psychically or something yeah, like that? Yeah, she tries
0: to contact the Sopron because... Avon's like, well, it's alive, and she's like, no, it's not. I, I'm not getting anything, but I'm seeing my parents.
1: But she says, she says it's thinking, and yeah. and uh, she's very freaked out by it.
2: And Kelly spends a lot of time this series being freaked out by various <laughs> different things, and it's only you've only just seen the beginning of this. Basically, mm-hmm. this is Jan Chapel now. Bless her, she just gets to be freaked out every episode by. Rocks or aliens or ghosts <laughs> or yeah, anything spiders. Just you name it. She's just constantly freaked out.
1: Well, that was that was um like it was quite good actually. In Shadow, when she was mm-hmm. scared and and you know off doing her own thing, um because you know of her psychic abilities, you know um th- there's there's like almost a horror vibe to that, right? She's this supernatural person. She has supernatural abilities, and when she's scared. That's that's a at least to me that's sort of a warning sign like this she's scared of something with power right?
2: Oh, you just wait in a couple of weeks' time. I, I'm gonna, I'm going to say no more. I keep dropping all these really obvious <laughs> yeah, hints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little to pick up on in a couple weeks. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Jan Chappell she's one of my favorite actresses in in the series. And I, I, I love Callie, but she's pretty poorly served. Generally, I mean, you're right in Shadow. She's fantastic, and she gets some good stuff to do, but. Generally speaking, although it's, she's, it's slightly better in Series C, I think she does at least get the central role in a couple of episodes. But um, but she does spend a lot of time kind of staring into space um, mm. and getting possessed and what have you.
0: I mean, last week it was Dawn of the Gods and it was Shadow Two where she <laughs> like gets she detects a mysterious force and and wakes up and she's like, what's going on? And then she gets there and she communicates psychically with a super powerful right. force and it's
1: that was good though because it related to her sort of backstory
0: yeah I mean it worked in the end yeah but when it started it was like is this just shadow again <laughs> which of course you John haven't heard our episode on that since so it will go out for two more days yeah
2: I'm very intrigued to know what you think of that one uh, there was quite an argument that went down on that episode yeah. actually it's, it's another one that is generally pretty hated oh okay well yeah. we liked it yeah <laughs> Yeah. The perception of Series C is that it starts very strongly and then it has a major dip and then it goes up and you get some of the best episodes there have ever been. But I, I like I like them all pretty much. It's <laughs> no,
0: really just been volcano that we tore apart. Maybe we should uh, do some more insightful tearing apart of these episodes.
2: <laughs> no, no, I think it's great that you guys are generally pretty positive. You know, there are some podcasts where you just think, Why are you even bothering to watch it? You know, just if you hate it so much, yeah. <laughs>
0: Hey, there was a moment for us like that on Trust Your Doctor where every week we were just like, man, this sucks, man, this sucks. That was the sixth Doctors era and we're like, man, this episode sucks, this episode sucks. (laughs) Anyway, that's a a story for another podcast.
2: Well, um, Colin Baker, you never know when he's going to pop up, do you?
0: Man, I really hope he pops up (laughs) in Blake seven at some point.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I already Mm -hmm. know, so. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've spoiled, I think, a lot more than Dylan. Not everything, but I think more than Dylan has. I mean, I've spoiled some pretty major <laughs> things. We both know how the the entire show ends.
2: Yeah, I'm quite cross with you guys. You know, uh, you, you've been dropping hints recently that you've been spoiled. I mean, <laughs> it's, you started off so fresh and not knowing anything, and but it's so hard, though, isn't it? To, yeah, it it's really religious. hard. I actually had yeah. the end of
0: the show spoiled for me at the start of the show because I was looking for. Things. I, I was looking for things about Blake 7 that we could use as a name for this podcast, and I read an article that was like, Blake 7 is best if you know the ending, so, the ending before you start, so here's how it ends. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> but you haven't actually seen it, have
2: you? You haven't actually no. seen... Yeah, okay.
1: No. Good. <laughs> plus, plus, I don't know if I really agree with that, that it's better... If... Well,
0: I mean, that's something we can talk about when we get there. Yeah. To Blake. So what happens is these three pursuit ships that Jarvik's got just blow up. And he's like, man, I really made that look convincing. (laughs) And Servant's like, yeah, I believed it. Those ships are destroyed. And Jarvik's like, yeah, they are really convincing, huh?
1: It was just one, wasn't it? They, they defeat, they blow up one and then the other two.
0: No, they blow up all three.
2: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All three are destroyed. Yeah.
0: Okay. They destroy the first one by firing through the force wall. And then Villa and Dana are really happy. And Tarrant comes in and is like, yes, but I was saving that trick for when I could get two of them and one blast. And Villa's like, "Oh, oops." But then there's I love the moment
2: when um, Villa and Dana have a little hug because they're so pleased with themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, just just, Villa, I'm sure, was really pleased with that hug <laughs> considering in Volcano he's been, quote, not noticing, unquote, Dana all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so Tarrant then, that's when he does the spin maneuver. I'll try spinning. That's a good <laughs> trick.
1: He's showing off at this point, isn't he?
0: A little bit.
2: He is, he's quite, yeah, he, he gives Villa a cheeky little wink and then he does that, you know, kind of blowing a kiss in, in, into the air as well. He's, yeah, he's quite full of himself at this point.
0: But it works, so he can walk the walk and he can talk the talk, so.
2: Yeah, in that awful tracksuit that he's wearing. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, that was the first note I had for this episode. <laughs> WTF is Tarrant
2: wearing. <laughs> well, this is the first episode with costumes designed by a guy called Nicky Rocker. Okay, um, and he was quite a flamboyant character, and he used to design dresses for Shirley Bassey. Um, okay, that's a name. And so he he yeah he basically just a big, big flamboyant costume designer. The cast used his name was Nicky Rocker, and the cast used to call him Rocky Nickers. Um, and he yeah he had a reputation. I mean the the costumes in this are relatively uh, tame compared to some of the stuff that comes later. But but some of the costumes are terrible. I think Callie and Dana look great, but the Oh,
0: Dana male looks costumes. fantastic. Like that shade yeah. of blue she's wearing is just gorgeous. Really,
1: there's, there's a. I mean, her cleavage is like very exposed, and I'm <laughs> sure, true. I'm sure Simon, Gisette Simon, wasn't a fan of that based on what she said about her right. you know, experience on Blake Seven.
2: Well, believe it or not, this was her favorite costume.
1: Hmm.
2: I believe in I gave... mean, it's it's a brilliant costume. Yeah, and let's face it, Gisette Simon could look great in a bin bag couldn't she yeah, she could, she could. whatever she's wearing so um but yeah in an interview back in the early 80s she said that was her favorite outfit yeah
1: that's interesting
2: whether or not she feels the same way now we should maybe ask her <laughs> send her an email hey hey yeah sure she would well, get back to me yeah it's making Blake seven here Gisette. <laughs> making
0: Blake seven <laughs> put me a twitter feed for blake seven yeah. behind Lock. the scenes information <laughs>
2: she used to be on Twitter but she's not anymore I think it might be because I kept um, tagging her photographs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might send her an email we tried to get we sent Sally Nevette an email we got no response we were like oh, the famous Blake God. 7 podcast Zenith <laughs> actually no we didn't sell ourselves that hard
2: She she's rejected my advances as well As um, I just don't think she's on Twitter that often I think she's got an account but she doesn't oh, uh, right yeah. so we also sent a message to
0: Stephen Grief we also got no response yeah. from Matt.
2: Yeah, he's he's quite a bit more active. He's, he's joined in some of the stuff I do on Twitter. Just occasionally, he's quite, he's quite keen to relive old memories. But yeah, it's quite hard to get hold of the actors. You're mm-hmm. better off with the, the writers and the directors and the effects guys. They're usually a bit more open to talking about it. Right, right, right.
0: I think you should uh, turn your Twitter feed into a book, frankly. I think it would be a definitive account of what's going on on Blake 7. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, actually, Actually, and I keep meaning to suggest it to you, but I think you should compile it all into like a book of some sort. I think
2: I'd like to do something with it, cause it yeah, at the end, maybe. Um, there, I think there is another book in the, the works by somebody else at the moment. Um, I don't know if you know Milk Publishing. I think that's how you pronounce it, M-I-W-K. And they've been talking about doing quite a detailed production guide, so I think I'll wait and see what they do. Um yeah, that's fair, but we've almost got an unwritten agreement that if the, if they'll do the book, and I'll just keep doing what i what I do. but I'd like to do something with it, as you've because it it's taken quite a long time, so it'd be nice to have something at the end of it. I would buy it your book
1: yeah <laughs> so, the
2: <laughs> is, of course, copyright is, is it, it's, it, once you once you get into publishing something it, it's it's quite tricky, whereas on Twitter because it's so ephemeral mm-hmm. and you can get away with more right, right in the minute. That making money out of something and um, yeah, putting something in print—it's a bit dodgier. But we'll have to see.
0: We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Back to the episode—they beam oh, down yeah. <laughs> to go steal some Kyropan Pan, and while well, they do well, that, but well, then it turns out there's well, so they, they beam they onto, down a,
1: onto the transport ship. the transport
0: ship. ship.
2: And can we just talk about these yellow boxes? <laughs> these yellow human-shaped, <laughs> <laughs> human-sized boxes. You know, it's just maybe think to look inside. Just a. Yeah.
0: No, 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 no. We're we're not going to check out these suspicious uh, boxes over here. We're just going to let them go. With
2: eye slits in them.
1: <laughs> well, now well, here, they get attacked. Here, here's my here's my question, and this I don't think the episode ever actually answers this. Were the guards that they run into placed there by Jarvik to sort of yeah, to, that was my to,
0: understanding? of Yeah,
1: that. to to throw them off guard, right? To yeah. otherwise they might have checked the boxes.
2: Yeah, that's a great moment. I think they even addressed that, don't they, in the episode? But it, it does throw to light. The fact he's willing to sacrifice what eight people, whereas before he was saying he only used mutoids on the ships, whereas he seems quite happy to throw away the lives of six, eight people.
1: Right. There's there's this running thing in this episode where Jarvik constantly says that, you know, he respects life and he isn't as willing as Servalan is to trust in computers and he's like very humanist in a way.
2: Yeah. Men. Men deserve to die like men.
1: <laughs> right. And then, and again, like the, there is a misogyny to that sort of humanism as well absolutely
2: but it does give us the great moment where Avon just comes in and kills yeah. them all In this, say, this is world. one of the best
0: Avon moments is they're all surrounded by the guards and then Avon just comes in and guns them all down and he just goes it was a distinct possibility <laughs> yeah. he holds his gun <laughs>
1: that, like a six shooter as he
2: always does
0: ah uh, yes that does Avon hold it like a six shooter segment
2: <laughs>
1: I love
0: that
2: segment yeah he does doesn't he yeah <laughs> And Stephen Pace's face when Avon comes in as well. He's just like, "Yep, yeah, I messed up.
0: <laughs> just the way Paul Darrow delivers that line about it being a distinct possibility. Like, he's just so disgusted with how Tarrant didn't even consider this. We also completely skipped over uh, Avon's other scathing burn when Tarrant leaves uh, with Callie when he's like, I was under the impression that this was the most powerful ship in the galaxy and you were the most Accomplished space captain in the galaxy, or something like that. And then right after he leaves, he says, Or so I'm told. <laughs>
2: Which yeah, I think is just brilliant. Yv-
1: Yvonne yeah, was brilliant. great in
2: this. He's so good. Paul Darrow is just great in everything, but he's, he nails it in this.
0: Yeah, he does, especially with a script that he apparently didn't like. Probably because Chris Boucher wasn't giving him all these yeah. <laughs> inc-
2: incisive moments in the I episode. I think Chris Boucher might have had a couple of weeks' holiday when this was going through, because it to just certain things that don't quite add up with other episodes. So it, it does feel like maybe he was busy working on his own script or something. It, just, it could have had a bit more of his eye on it, I think, just in terms of continuity and uh, a few bits here and there, but it's still great.
1: Now, I noticed in this episode, and this is actually something I've been meaning to bring up for a while now, but you know, in this episode, Servalan actually goes on to Liberator for, I think, the first time. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah really Jacqueline Pierce is the only one who calls Avon Avon right everyone else calls him (laughs) Avon
2: yes
1: (laughs) I don't know if there's any funny behind the scenes stuff about that whether Paul Darrow had anything to say about that or anything so
2: I think it's just British accents I've never really noticed that before maybe it's more obvious to you guys but um and I think because of Jacqueline Pierce's voice she's quite sultry and I think every time she says mm. Avon it's very kind of deliberately seductive whereas maybe Tarrant isn't quite trying to seduce Avon I don't know, <laughs> Although, I don't know. hey we don't hang we on we don't know yeah there are certain parts of the internet that might not agree with you <laughs> the dark web <laughs> the
0: dark web I mean, Villa is definitely trying to seduce Dana at this point. I think, you know, him not noticing all the time that hug. Definitely. I think he's uh, he went, he went really in for it when it happened.
2: Yeah. They kind of touch upon that in a, I'm doing it again. I'm so sorry. I keep dropping these really unsubtle hints, but yeah, it is a kind of a minor theme moving forward. This um, mild um, obsession that Villa has with um, Dana
0: is it is it like the minor theme of Villa being addicted to Soma?
2: <laughs> it's even it's even more minor than that. I think it's mentioned a couple more times, but um yeah. Okay. I don't think he's got much of a chance somehow.
0: I think Villa's the only character who appears in every episode of this show.
2: Yeah. He, he is. He is. Yep. Yeah, he is,
0: yeah. Should really be called Villa Seven, let's be honest here.
2: <laughs> I'd watch that.
0: So I guess we can just skip ahead to the part where SerValan takes over because right now, because the three guys jump out of the boxes and corner the Liberator crew, and then SerValan basically strides onto the Liberator bridge. And I don't know, I just really love this moment seeing SerValan on the Liberator. Oh, it's, 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 it's the, ethical, it's the it? yeah. one moment. <clears throat> the villain has invaded the, the supposed safe space that the, the heroes have basically occupied the entire show.
2: Right. And she's loving it as well. She's loving every minute, isn't she? She's like, oh, hello, Kelly. And just the, the, way she, the way she interacts with Zen as well, I think that's really nicely done. And yeah, it's definitely a great moment. And um, I'm, doing it, I'm going to do it one last time. It, it's a bit of a foreshadowing of stuff that might happen further down the line.
0: That might happen.
2: <laughs> Why don't I just... You should drop some, some fake hints in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of them have been fake, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> oh, No. <laughs>
1: Well, there is, I think, sort of a a foreshadowy moment that's actually earlier in the episode when Jarvik brings up uh, something from Servaland's past, how a friend of hers died or something like that. And and even I don't know the full extent to which this is actually foreshadowing for what we learn about Servaland later, but I think there's something more to that.
2: Mm, I think it's just bad writing. You know, it's like, when was the last time you felt the wind between your cheeks? When did you last grieve for a beloved friend? It's just no. It, mm. That's just Ben Steed, bad writing.
0: <laughs> oh, ouch! <laughs> or oh, is it? Right, oh, where was, where, was, Chris <laughs> he was, where was Chris Boucher? Where was Chris?
2: Benny for a week with his wife, probably.
0: Chris was doing a doing a servoland in Jehovah himself <laughs> this week.
1: Complete with the bendy straws.
2: Complete with bendy straws. (laughs) I like to think so, yeah.
1: And when Servland gets onto the Liberator, I just wanted to mention that Jacqueline Pierce is totally in her element here. This is really interesting because she's obviously a recurring character, obviously a a main character on the show, but Servland isn't really a character who interacts with, you know, our main sort of cast all that much, right? Mm -hmm. There have been episodes here and there. But most of the time, she's off doing her own thing, or she's with Travis, or was with Travis. Uh, but here, she's she's totally just interacting with Paul Darrow, with acting with uh, you know Stephen Pacey, everyone else. She's totally in her element,
2: mm-hmm. and it's awesome. I think it might even be the like only the second time she's even met Villa, and she's like, yeah, very little interaction with most of them, and yeah, it's a, it's a great scene, and I love the way she just says almost straight away, "I'll oh, kill Dana." Just. Yeah, just take her outside and kill her. And then Dana's like, "No, you'll have to do it here." And she's like, "Okay, kill her here." And I just think that's great. I think she sees Dana as a as a real threat, and she just there's a couple of times in the episode where she's just like shoot her, which I we, think is quite interesting.
0: We talked about this in aftermath how it seemed like they were setting up Dana to be the foil to Servline in much the same way that Blake and Travis had that kind Livery. of antagonism right. going on. And this episode kind of seems to play off that since Servline comes in and immediately instead of shooting any of the people she like has been antagonized for the past two seasons, like Avon or Villa or Callie, she instead goes straight for Dana and she's like, kill Dana.
1: Right. And Dana has the awesome moment where she's like, you have to do it here. And Dana was cool in this episode. I think there's there's sort of an, an expa- a much-needed expansion mm-hmm. of Dana's character here where she gets to do awesome things and say awesome things.
2: She's just such a great actress, and uh, she does – quite a lot with so little and um i think yeah she's definitely given slightly more to do here and she's yeah she's great
0: i mean she's kind of almost saves the day at the end not entirely because avon is mostly the driving yeah. force behind
1: that Davis was definitely a part of it though
0: yeah absolutely
1: at, at this point tarrant doesn't really know what to do he's <laughs> sort of stumbling over his own words he, he wants to talk it out avon eventually then steps up and he he gives control of Zen to Servaland under one condition.
2: That's yeah, like, such a well. great scene. I love that scene.
0: So good. She's like, "No, no conditions." He's like, Whoop, I've already started the sentence, so uh, I got you." And she's like, "Well, I'll just kill your crew members." Then he's like, "Well, then what? You'll kill me too, and then you'll never finish the command." <laughs> and she's like, "Damn, you got me." So the
1: condition. Love- sorry,
2: go, go on. on. Sorry. No, no, go on. I was just going to say, I love Paul Dara's face when she says, "You know, the nearest." When Zen says, "The nearest planet." Uh, is Kairos and Paul Darrow's face is like oh, oh man yeah, like, damn I didn't think this through enough yeah. so, it's such a great twist
1: and I think the very next thing it cuts right to them it cuts right Kairos. to them on
0: Kairos and then they're, pl- they're like oh pl- man
1: what do we do now they're
0: planning out which way to go and Avon's just like nope forget me I'll find my own way my own salvation he just walks off and then Tarrant kind of just looks at the other guys and he's like what the hell
1: now, this is this was weird to me. I'm I'm not fully convinced that if Chris Boucher wrote this episode, or even if Terry Nation had written this episode, <laughs> would Avon have done that?
2: Yeah, I yeah, think so. do you think so? I don't know. D- sorry, done what? Gone down to the planet? No, or just or, um, ditched the, yeah, the rest of the, off the crew. Yeah, gone by himself. Yeah, he, I think he would, yeah. I think mm. he's always been a bit of a loner, hasn't he? And they could potentially hold him back.
0: And that's what the. It's kind of been a running theme of Avon's characters like he only looks out for himself, and that was always the thing in series A and B. Was like, is he going to kill Blake because he just wants to take the Liberator for himself? Like he doesn't really believe in this cause, does he? And it's always been kind of a mystery about how much he actually cares about the Liberator crew and how much he actually just cares about this being an ends or a means to an end for him.
2: One thing I will say is this whole scenario. Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. I said I <laughs> wouldn't do it again. But it, yeah, all I, all I will say is remember this in in later episodes this scenario that's all i'm going to say
1: okay okay mm-hmm. mysterious is it going
0: to be something yeah. that i'm going to have difficulty remembering <laughs> like the name okay, Bounty? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's,
2: it's completely pointless that i said that because it would be long forgotten but it is it, it there are definitely whether intentional or not there are themes and situations in this episode that become that are revisited shall we say i don't know if it was intentional but it it's very similar to something that happens later. Let's just put it that way. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Mm. Mm. Every time we have a guest on this show, they drop a whole bunch of subtle hints to things we haven't seen yet.
2: (laughs) And I hate it when people do that. I'm listening and I'm like, why is he doing that? Why is he trying to spoil it to guys? And here I am.
1: (laughs) No, I I, I, I actually think these hints have have been sort of vague enough and actually good. Like I'm, I'm pretty interested i
2: hope
0: so also i feel like it's practically impossible not to drop hints like that when you know what's coming
2: yeah i do actually have one more but i'll 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 get to that
0: (laughs) well so we have this what i think is just this amazing scene i think where avon is just leaning against this warehouse and all the rest of the people like run up because i guess they followed avon and avon just turns to tarrant and is like so tarrant Tell me, what the hell is that? And he just points inside the warehouse, and there's just this Apollo Eleven-style <laughs> moonlander. And I was like, where, where the hell did the BBC get this prop? Like, did they just film a series on like the moon landing or something? And they have this prop sitting around because I highly doubt Ben Steed wrote into the script. We see the Apollo Eleven moonlander sitting in this warehouse.
2: Yeah, I think it was just written as just a space capsule of some kind, and I think Matt Irvin, the visual effects guy, because he was into real space missions, and he'd done various documentaries and created the models for those, Um, and I think he just happened to have that model on the shelf, and they just thought, oh, that'll do.
1: (laughs) Well, it looks really cool, and you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe BBC like a, helped Kubrick stage the landing. No, no, I'm just kidding.
0: I mean, it looks like a brilliant <laughs> recreation of the of the actual lander. But when it appeared, I w- it was just like so out of place in the Blake Seven universe. I think, and, and
1: I just it is burst to them. Out laughing. It, it is out of place to them too. They they're, they talk about it as if it's
2: ancient technology, right? So. They do, yeah. Like I say, it's a uh, yeah pre space age something or other or something like that
0: yeah and this is jumping your head just a little bit but there's something they completely just blow past with this lander is that when they take off there's a roof above them that they do <laughs> no they do not mention when they're taking off
2: no they do say because Avon says villa get the roof open and Villa's, oh do they like, yeah, okay villa i was gonna says, say power because
0: power. when i watched it i missed that line i was like what
2: yeah, just, it's easy to miss but yeah Villa says how the hell am I supposed to do that and it's like well that's what you do isn't it you open doors so something along those lines so it is addressed but it's not very clearly
0: well so now the in my opinion the plot falls apart a little bit because several ends like yeah if you want if you basically if you want to sleep with me for the rest of your life uh, Jarvik you need to go down and beat Terran one one on one mano y mano
1: or and and also you know if you want a position of power uh, but Jarvik well, he's not in he's not in it for the power. He has. Oh, I'm forgetting the exact line, but he says if he wanted if he wanted to control, be a space he captain, would he would have stayed in, in, the, in, in the, the space command or, or something, yeah, right? But he goes down anyway. Uh, this is after the uh, right after I think the sort of sex scene between them. Uh,
2: yeah, that, it's just after they've had their um, oh, I won't say the color their um, their yeah refreshment, shall we say. <laughs>
1: And Servlan asks him, or she says she'll give him a, an entire team to even out the numbers, but he, he uh, he's like, no, nah, I'll go down myself. I'll
0: and he goes down and he fights Tarrant, and as we expected, because Tarrant has done nothing but uh, fall apart this episode, what, falls apart what, in this battle, well, although he does have the upper hand for a
2: moment. Guys, we haven't mentioned Brian the spider. We haven't mentioned the spider. <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> right now, I think. Well, we I think we'd seen it once before.
2: Yeah, we yeah. See when Javik first beams down, he, he sees it trembling. talk past. about the spider. I, I think it's I mean, it's bad, but it, yes. the actual prop, if he's up close, it doesn't look too bad. It's only when it's in long shot and you see that big hoover bag going from side to side that it looks... I mean, it, it does look bad, but it, I actually think they spent quite a bit of money on it, and they... It was featured quite heavily in promotional um, p- photographs and what have you. And you, if you see still photographs of close-up of the face, it actually looks okay for, you know, for BBC sci-fi of the time. But it it doesn't look great when it's walking around. There was a guy in that, you know, one of the effects team in there. Who had, I think he had to walk on all fours backwards. <gasps> oh no,
1: oh, man! <laughs>
0: because I was going to say, I really wanted to see like a side cutout view of how the people
2: in that costume <laughs> were oriented. <laughs> It
1: wasn't just to, one it was one guy, right? Just
2: just it's one just one guy. Yeah, it wasn't like a pantomime horse, it's just one guy. But there's there's some great outtakes of him just collapsing and he couldn't obviously couldn't get up again. But um <laughs> when they were on location and um they unveiled his prop, Jan Chappell basically said, Ah, oh, I can't do this anymore. they they're just taking the, the piss out of us now. Sorry for my language, but they're just this is just too much and again, not wanting to spoil things, um it, it, I, it made her very unhappy to be in the series. Was the
0: spider what led to?
2: Get, not, to her? I, no, I don't think it was just the spider. I think it was the episode in general. Not, I think a lot of the cast weren't happy with it. And then during the location filming, this being unveiled, it was the final straw for Jan Chappell. I'm imagining
0: they pull up this trailer and they're playing this fanfare and there's this smoke and white and they're like lowering down the back of the trailer. And they're like, get ready to meet the spider. And then the, the lights come up and it's just, it's this, just sitting in the trailer. And then Jan Chappell just
2: walks away. She's like, I'm done. I'm done. And you can actually even see, I mean, her acting on location, she she just she's oh, not engaged at yeah. all. You know, there's a bit <laughs> yeah, where 100% the that. crap out of Jarvik, and she's just in the background like, ah, oh, whatever. And yeah,
0: I'm... I saw this. She's just literally standing yeah. there like as <laughs> Dana's beating up. She's Jarvik, me. and and then Jarvik gets on top of Dana, and Callie just kind of stands there and looks at them like
2: completely unenthused. Yep. I think it would have been great yeah, if the female crew members had just really definitively
1: kicked one. his ass yeah. i think that would have
2: been redeemed some of the more sexist elements and they kind of do that i think dana was getting the upper hand um but it would have been nice if callie had joined in as well and actually you know become a bit more kick-ass like when she first start when she was first in the series but i just think the motivation and the writing wasn't there in fact i'm surprised she's not just leaning against the wall having a cigarette you know while well, <laughs> that scene was being filmed because drinking she's, some yeah. soma it, it is, a, yeah, it is a, she's just, She's checked out by that stage, bless her. She, she don't get me wrong, she, she gets re-energized um, in the coming episodes, but I think she, it was a low point for her, I think. I don't no, blame her, that's, frankly. That's,
1: that's a good point. This is sort of a missed opportunity to have Dana and Callie uh, sort of give Jarvik what's coming to him. So.
2: Yeah, that would have been great.
1: But um, there's this scene also, that, um, I, th- I think we sort of glossed over, which they're sitting, I think, in the the ship that they find, and Villa and Dana, I want to say, are sleeping. Or maybe it's Callie. Uh, yeah. A- and Avon is still sort of tinkering, with, tinkering the with the Sopran. And Tarrant comes in and he, he basically he, he dismisses the, the sopron as he has... He's like, you're still playing episode. with that damn like, rock. And, and Avon's like, well, it's alive. It, and he sort of explains some of its ecology almost, how it's from the dark side of its planet And that's why it looks and behaves like it does. And Tarrant just dismisses it outright. And this is how, like, sort of in the rhetoric of this episode, you know that Tarrant is not going to beat Jarvik, right? Because Jarvik and Avon both in this episode um, are characters. And I don't know how true this is of Avon in other episodes. But in this episode, at least, both of them are characters who respect life. They uh, don't put their full trust at least in computers a- Avon does that in you know we we'll as we'll see in a few minutes but they both have like this stra- strange almost like respect for life that Tarrant just doesn't have
0: but I don't even think Avon beats J- Jarvik Avon nobody doesn't be- beats well, Jarvik Jarvik just dies by sheer dumb unluckiness well, really but
1: there's also uh, you know this other sort of parallel between them is that they can both Jarvik is the one who sees through this ruse later on mm-hmm and Avon is the one who also he gets what the Soprano is, and he respects it. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see the sort of you know, parallels there. But but as, but right as soon as both from like the uh, perspective of like what this story is, the rhetoric of the story, and just from the perspective of like Jarvik is you know has like a foot on him, and he can probably like beat the hell out of him. You know that Terran's not going to win going into this fight. <laughs>
2: Uh, do, do you ever see where um, Jarvik throws the knife um, at Tarrant's feet as well? Mm-hmm. When, when they um, when they first shot that, the, the knife actually went into Stephen Pacey's foot. <laughs> but fortunately, it only went into the boot. But it, it, wow. it embedded itself firmly in the boot, and it I think it might have like broken the flesh slightly. But um, I think that was yeah a bit of a, a moment for the for it the crew of Stephen yeah.
0: Pacey being like I yeah. didn't think I was going to lose my foot from the show. <laughs> yeah.
2: And that the outfit he's wearing as well, there's a um, quite a famous scene where, where the, the, I think they hear Dana crying out for help and they all exit the hangar. Uh, just the, the outfit Stephen Pacey's wearing, let's just say it's quite revealing. Um, if, I don't know if you want to feel compelled to go back and, and replay that scene, but it is, it's interesting. Let's just put it that way.
0: Well, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, Serverland wasn't wearing a bra in this episode again. I think she's just discarded all her bras at this point.
1: Well, Jarvik also, not at this point in the episode, but when he was first introduced, had that shirt that was uh, basically open down to the waist. Super deep (laughs) V-neck.
2: Yeah, you can't really blame Serverland for balling from him. You know, so irresistible 70s machismo, you know. But, yeah, I don't think Stephen Pacey was wearing underpants. So should I should just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm lowering the tone. Delete that bit. Er- erase that.
0: <laughs> well, so, basically, Jarvik teleports up to the Liberator because on top of Dana, Brian the Spider starts approaching <laughs> again. And- right. He, Dana gets teleported up as well because she didn't take her teleporter bracelet off because she was like, if you're going to take my bracelet off, you got to come get it for Another me. Another
2: awesome moment for Dana. And
0: then they get up to the ship and Servland's like, I asked you to bring me all the bracelets. And he's like, yeah, I did. not Servland's like, I can't help but notice one of them is still attached to a person.
2: <laughs> that's a great line, isn't it? Yeah, there's a body attached to this one. I love that. Yeah, it's so good.
0: And then uh, basically Servland orders Zen to just carpet bomb the planet, <laughs> destroy what remains of the Liberator crew, and then and, Avon's like, "Talent, you've got like five seconds to get the ship off the ground. <laughs> well,
1: this is interesting to me, because this isn't something we've really ever seen, I think, on Blake 7, is the idea that you can just bomb or shoot planets from space. They'd, obviously, they've had that capability, but they've never actually, I think, used it, really.
0: They've mentioned it before, though. And I remember them mentioning it before, and now I'm trying to remember what episode it was in.
2: Well, I guess they had Space um, Space City in Shadow, didn't they, Cali? Yeah, and- that's what I was going to say. I think it was in mm. Shadow, where they oh, were like, right. "Oh, we
0: could bomb the right. planet," and they're like, "No, no, we can't do that. We have got to beam down."
1: Right. And they don't oh, they, they, they actually th- they threaten? Yeah, they threaten, uh, What's his up, name space, in Shadow? Yeah,
0: well. Space City. So it's definitely been established before. We don't see any special effects for the the surface bolt, as as Zen calls it. No. Flying down to the planet, probably because they realized they needed that budget for uh, Brian the spider.
1: But that's fine. I, I really actually like how that scene is done, and this is something we've we actually recently talked about on our Doctor Who Doctor Who podcast. Trust mm-hmm. your doctor. Is that uh, a lot of shows, and Blake Seven included, and I think UFO actually does mm-hmm. this as well? Can make scenes of you know crew members just sitting in bridges at battle stations or whatever really interesting, even if there's no special effects or mm-hmm. cool lasers or anything like that. So,
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. But, so then Avon comes... Avon and his buddies come flying up in this Rickety old lander, but the Sopran makes it seem to Zen and Servland like it's a ship that's even more powerful than the Liberator.
1: Right, Avon reveals what the Sopran is, and this was really interesting to me because it gives like this almost ecological edge to these questions of belief that this series is asking. So what the Sopran can do is it can mirror. It. He describes it, I think, as like a funhouse mirror or something like that, where it it mirrors and distorts uh, anything Your fear, that looks at really. it.
0: Or like what? It, what attacks it? I think is what he says. What, what if it attacks the sop and it mirrors and reflects it in it, like a stronger a, form, right?
1: In a greater form. So that's why Callie saw her parents, and Orac saw a computer that was smarter than he was, and Zen sees
0: a rock uh, that it doesn't understand, but now it sees a ship,
1: right? And there's this. There, this is how they try to to. Fool Servland, and there's this great line. This, To me, this line totally encapsulates what Series C is all about and is almost meta in a sense because this is almost fundamental to what I think TV and movies really are. Yvonne says, uh, the question is, what will Servland see and will she be fooled by it?
0: Well, I mean... It falls apart in, under closer inspection, in my opinion, because you have to really wonder why Servaland doesn't just turn to Tarrant and say, well, your ship's stronger than mine. Why do you want the Liberator back?
1: Well, she is fooled by it, so that's. and Jarvik is not. Jarvik is a- absolutely clued into what's going on.
0: I mean, but no, but that's the thing. She gets fooled into thinking that the the capsule is stronger than the Liberator. I'm wondering why she doesn't then, because of that, turn to Tarrant when he's on the view screen, and say, okay, your ship is stronger than mine. Why do you want the Liberator back then? Your ship's already stronger than the one I have.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Why I wonder why she doesn't do that. She's com- you know completely taken in by this, and that's something that I think when people... when but I think we the point watch... of that is
0: that she's not completely taken in, because if she was, she probably would have turned to him and been like, why do you want the Liberator then if your ship's stronger than mine?
2: But I guess all this stuff's in there, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <I> guess, <laughs> all yeah. all
2: but what, the all, treasure, all treasure room that we've all, never like, seen that we still don't even room. know if it exists? <laughs>
1: Oh, I wonder if Servalan knows to... about the treasure room.
2: Yeah, but that's all on there. Aurac's still on there, you know. Yeah, but Avon's got the key S- to Orac.
1: Servalan could actually, if she knew about the treasure room, could actually use that to, like, really empower herself and really get the Federation back on <laughs> its feet. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, based on what we've heard about it, at least.
2: You guys are obsessed with the treasure room. Because <laughs> the treasure
1: room is awesome <laughs> and we've
2: never seen it. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Will we see
0: the treasure room? This is this might be one of those fake hints. See now I don't know. (laughs) Now I don't know anymore.
2: (laughs) Time will tell.
0: The treasure room was the first thing, the first running joke we made on this podcast. As soon as they mentioned the treasure room, we started mentioning it like every week. Like, damn, we haven't seen that treasure room
2: yet. I'm so glad you mentioned it this week. I I do like a running gag.
0: But Jarvik's like, no, don't believe it's so and she's like, we should just evacuate. And so they leave, and then Jarvik Jarvik just accidentally steps in front of a guard when he goes to shoot Callie and just
1: gets gunned down. And I want no, to make he's a actually
2: trying to save her, isn't he? I think he, he consciously does does he? saving he, Day in his life. Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: that's that's what I got out of
0: it. To me, it seems completely accidental. Like, he's over there, and he's like, no, Servland, we don't have to do that. And he turns to walk towards Servland, and he gets shot. And I also want to mention, uh, what was his name? Uh, what, the guy who plays Jarvis? Uh, Burt. Jovic. sorry. Andrew Burt. His acting kind of falls apart right at the end because he falls over and starts to die before the, the Federation guy's gun actually goes <laughs> off. So he kind of uh, nah, anticipated really that death before it happened.
2: Oversight, but... They probably only had about two minutes left in studio, to be fair.
0: <laughs> the lights are going off, the security's <laughs> coming in, like, you guys need to wrap it up, and Javik just turns around and falls over.
2: Well, I've just checked, and he basically, Serverland says to Captain Shad, kill Dana, mm-hmm. and then Javik says, no, wait, there's no need to do that. And he, he does step in between, and then he he wait. expires.
0: <laughs> and then Dana's like, if you kill me, who's going to operate the teleport? And Servalan's like, Oracle, do it. And she's like, Avon's got the key
2: great, isn't it? Yeah, she keeps her cool, doesn't she Dana, always And then and, and
0: then we just and, hard cut to the rest of the Liberator crew, back on the Liberator
1: Well, this this is interesting to me, because this is a scene where Dana is so close to Servalan and she can't do anything about it and mm-hmm. I hope this culminates in something greater uh, at or near the end of this season Because <laughs> this um, is like, hmm, okay
2: I've dropped enough hints, I'm not going <laughs> to drop more. Well,
0: because she could just easily grab this guard's gun and just gun them both
2: down and we know Dana yeah, they, has that skill. Yeah, they they pursue that theme further. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's such a shame because Andrew Burt, he he has his death scene and he falls, and I think he lands quite awkwardly. <laughs> he's in a really weird position, but then he has to stay in that position <laughs> for the rest. Of, I mean, it's only for like thirty seconds, but he looks by the end. He looks really uncomfortable because he's kind of all twisted and kind of like a yeah there's a little bit yeah, of a humorous
0: scene because we see the the shuttle the little space capsule approaching the liberator we have a voiceover from a avon going are you going to be able to dock this thing and tarrant going uh i think so it's like i
1: haven't thought that far ahead yet. yeah i
0: haven't thought that far ahead and then they and then we just hard smash cut to the liberator crew walking onto the bridge and avon just going zen delete serverland's voice <laughs> print and then they just leave
2: the end oh they all
0: actually they all like look at javik's body and then they just kind of walk (laughs) away
2: yeah avon almost kind of kicks the (laughs) corpse. i think he just like nudges it gently with his foot and like taron's like he was a good man and he was like "Ah, he's a thug yeah
1: that that line to me was weird because there's this entire idea at the end of this episode that these two guys who are the ones who they respect the soperon they respect life they have this sort of ecological like this, eco-cognition almost—they're the ones who see through the bluff, and Servalan doesn't, and she's fooled by it, and she mm-hmm. is. Uh, w- w- whether or not that—that's a good point that you brought up, Dylan. Whether or not she's completely fooled by it, it—it it, it works against her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, at the at the very end of the episode, Avon's like, "Well, he was just a thug," and that. But Tarrant is actually the one who who goes like, "No, he he was more than that," and he sort of respects him at the end.
0: Well, probably because Taron knows yeah, him as well.
1: But like, when you think about it in, in the sense of like the, this overarching theme of Series C, I, I think there's some really interesting stuff going on here.
2: I think they respect each other because they're both men. <laughs>
0: men. Yeah,
1: maybe.
0: <laughs> I mean, in a sense, I'm glad Jarvik dies here because if he comes back, it easily just becomes another Travis and Blake situation. We've
1: already drawn a lot of
0: comparisons between Tarrant and Blake.
1: And and he's a character that I think really overpowers this episode, which is fine for an episode, but maybe not for an entire. Series. And he's
0: also kind of like uh, really misogynistic, which is okay for this episode. It doesn't, I think, tank the entire show. But can you imagine Jovic coming back every week? Yeah. beating yeah. on a woman every single week.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think one one episode is enough. He's amazing, yeah. but yeah, I'm kind of glad he dies at the
0: end <laughs> he, he, I, mean, I I feel like Jarvik works in the same way that Brian Blessed as cult leader works
2: in <laughs> Cygnus, uh, Alpha. Cygnus
0: Alpha like he's just so over the top that you you can't even possibly believe that this is a real person and you just kind of just have to go with it like Brian Blessed as the cult leader was just so completely over the top it was like <laughs> is this even a real person
1: well that one's interesting because yes that is real person and that is Brian Blessed
0: <laughs> he's just playing himself <laughs>
1: Now, John, you said this is the first episode you remember, sort of seeing. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? What was your sort of experience like? Yeah, with with that, well, it went I mean, to a lifelong I'm, love. Obviously, I guess
2: I'm old, but I'm not that old. I only have very vague um, recollection of Blake Seven from its first broadcast. Like, I, I remember the last series reasonably well, but I don't. I was only I was very very young, mm. but I, I really got into Blake Seven when the, the series first came out on VHS. So that would have been, I guess, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. No, earlier than that, late 80s. That's when I really got into Blake 7 um, and just just loved it from from then on. But I, do, I do have very vague recollections of watching this episode. And I think I mentioned earlier, in my, my, in my recollection, I thought Jarvik was Blake. Which um, which is interesting, and he kind of looks like him when he, in his mm-hmm. second outfit. He, you, I can maybe see Brilliant. why I thought that, but um, but yeah, when I first saw this episode when it came out on VHS, I just I didn't like it at all. I
0: feel like you um, must have been very confused later on when you realized Blake was supposed to be a good guy.
2: I mean, it's it's I mean we're talking very slight recollections there are just certain minute moments in the episode. When I think when I first saw it on VHS, I thought oh actually I remember um, watching this when I was really little. But uh, yeah, as I say, when I first saw it properly, um, I didn't like it. But I've just grown to love it over the years, and it. Um, I'm really glad you guys seem to to like it as well. Because it took me years to really grow to love the episode, and it it's like anything. If you the more you watch it, the the rough edges become smoother, mm-hmm. um, and you can laugh at the bits that are terrible. But it the episode is laughing with you. I think I think it's it's just very high spirited, and it, every scene is just. Is funny and full of just great characters, and it it really moves along. You know, it's a good piece of solid family TV entertainment. You know, it's not it's not meant to be dissected like geeks like me forty years later, but um, it I think yeah, it's, it's just solidly entertaining, and I think that's what I love about Blake Seven. It wasn't just for the likes of us; it was it was massively popular back in the day. You know, it it had amazing viewing figures. It was up against. Uh, Coronation Street, which is a, another big soap opera over here, you know, it's it's Coronation Street. Doctor Who was up against Coronation Street mm-hmm. uh, for the last three years of its life, and that's partly what killed it off. Blake Seven more than held its own; it was getting like ten million viewers. Um, at prime time, it was a it was a, a big popular success, um, and yeah, this, I think this is a really great example of that. And I'm really glad you guys like it. I thought you were going to be. Um, losing the will to live um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no we've but watched some pretty bad television for our podcast we've yeah. watched some pretty bad movies for our podcast and trust me this is nowhere even near no. any of this, some of the stuff we've watched
2: no. Never but the series <laughs> <laughs> the series is about to it, the quality is going to take a, a big step up in the in the coming weeks uh, and it will dip again obviously but there are some really good episodes coming up and you're, you're going to enjoy them but then you probably yeah, watch awesome. them but you never know; you might hate them. <laughs> that's true. We might hate them. <laughs> yeah, we, we've liked some. We've we've
1: gone against the sort of established fan wisdom before. So eh, who knows? I, I don't know.
0: But why is it established fan wisdom? We're technically fans, and we're just going against that uh, grain. So I say fan wisdom is complete nonsense.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's 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 the that that's. Uh, I'm a true subjectivist, and I'm not going to get into like my literary theories and stuff like that. But that's one of my big problems with objectivism it's all just opinion the space my experience but you know we don't have to get into that
2: yeah i completely agree it's everyone gets different things out of it and i i just love the series so much that even the 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 episodes i can see are not that great i just it's still fun it's still actors i really enjoy watching and uh, you can at least tell that people were trying because i'm so interested in the production side of it as well there's always something Mm -hmm. to take from even the worst episodes and sometimes they're so they're so bad they're <laughs> hilarious so, yeah.
0: so so over the top hilarious. yeah I,
2: and I think there's only one or two that I could would say bad TV but even there you know it's still very entertaining but I think it's a great series
0: I, I mean, mean so. even having watched Volcano twice I think Volcano the only episode I'd say so far that like, I probably wouldn't go back and watch again
1: oh I wouldn't go back and watch ORAC again
2: yeah, what is it with you, you guys, and Aurac? That's a, g- a great episode. But- <laughs> a
0: great episode. No, no,
1: no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. What I are you think, talking about? I think we hyped ourselves up too much You're for the season finale, yourself. for the series A finale.
2: Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, Blake Seven does great series finale, season finales. Yeah, definitely. And Aurac is probably the the least of the of the four. I would say right, that's,
1: mm-hmm. that's 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 what I've sort of read since watching that episode. Uh, so I wanted to ask, and you know, feel free to decline. But you, John, have access to you know a lot of info and pictures and making of just stuff in general that a lot of people have never seen before. Do you want to drop any hints, as vague as you want them to be, uh, as to where you get your information or anything like that?
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, they. Um, I've been. i have loved Blake Seven for years. Um, As I say, I'm an old, old fart. So a lot of it is taken from just like you know contemporary um, interviews at the time, or you know articles that appeared in fanzines over the years. Uh, There've been a couple of great books that have been written about Blake Seven. Um, I used to do a, a a printed fanzine many many years ago. I interviewed quite a few people but and that also made uh, made a few connections there um, and there 's been a couple of people who prefer to remain nameless who 've been really helpful in terms of getting hold of the original scripts um, but yeah the, the the photographs have come from lots of different places but there 's um, one or two people who 've been particularly helpful um, and it 's just been great to see these. I get excited by it too. You know, these photographs that have never been published anywhere before mm-hmm. um, because Blake seven wasn't as long running as, as Dr. Who with Dr. Who's the magazine has been there for so many years. Pretty much everything has been seen. Whereas with Blake seven, it came and went four years and a lot of this stuff just was never, ever printed. And the, it, and I think it is, it's a, a great, the design in the series is so great. It's such a visual series. It's really nice to actually be sharing all this stuff. And that's really why I, I started doing the, the Twitter account really just, I thought it, I can't just keep all this stuff to myself. So let's get it out there. Um, I think some people get a bit frustrated that I'm, I'm releasing it piecemeal, but that's just because it's, I'm trying to tell the whole story rather than just mm-hmm. getting it all out there in one go. But yeah, occasionally people say, Oh, can't you just give it all? Now? And I said, oh, calm down, be patient. You know, it's, and I'm uncovering new stuff all the time as well. You know, the more I'm doing the second series right now and, you know, for each episode and, you do more and more research and it's just amazing what is out there. If you've got just, if you know the right people and, um, and piece it all together. Yeah. But There's new stuff coming up all the time. And it's amazing that this stuff is just, has been hidden away for so long. You know, I mean, some of the photographs look like they've been, um, you know, some of them are in terrible condition, so they need to be restored. You know, they're covered in what looks like, pubic hair and (laughs) scratches and so some of them look look quite bad but there's been some great people who've helped me clean them up and make them look as as nice as possible so yeah it's just and i I love it as well even if i only had like two followers on twitter i'd probably still do it because i enjoy telling the story and and finding out all this new stuff all the time and yeah so it's, it's good fun
1: Cool, cool. And I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure you're told all the time, but it's awesome. Definitely yeah. one of my favorite Twitter accounts ever. I think.
2: Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. It is nice to get good feedback, um, and it's great that other people are enjoying it so much. And it, I guess, that spurs me on. Um, I like I've, the format, by the way.
1: Don't give it out all at once.
2: I don't. I don't think I can change the format. Although it is, it's stressful, and yeah. so I do try and get mm-hmm. quite far. At, ahead if possible but there are some days when I'm up really up against it because I I try I I basically tweet out what was happening 40 years ago exactly (laughs) yeah so it yeah sometimes like you know they might have been filming three episodes in one day and I'm like ah I've got to write about this and um you know I've got a full-time job and I I like to think I've got a bit of a life as well so it 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 can be quite time-consuming but I'm doing okay I'm, I'm at the moment I'm quite far ahead of the game so I've been the gap between seasons allows you to do a bit more planning and research and but, um, it always catches up. It's a bit like when they were making the series and the further they were getting into the series, they're only a couple of weeks ahead of the episodes actually being shown. So mm-hmm. I, I, it feels like I'm almost not under the same kind of stress, but I can certainly <laughs> sympathise they must have gone through. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but the end I love of, it. Wouldn't be the end of the world if I, you know, if I was a few days late, I guess. But I haven't In been the so. Far. City at the
0: edge of the world. If you want Wow! Must
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow! That's that was so neat. That was such a great segue. That was. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <clears throat> I don't actually have much more to say about this episode.
1: No, itself, but I think we should give the answers the We should give, the, uh, we should answers give our to the answers questions. to the
0: questions, unlike last week, where we actually forgot to and had to go back and record <laughs> the answers to the questions. Uh, so, John, since you asked your question first, you can, I think, go ahead and give the answer to your question first.
2: Okay. The, the color of the drink um, that Servalan and Jarvik had after um, <laughs> their encounter was
1: da 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 blue right gotta get that star wars money blue
0: milk milk. which has appeared on the
2: show before they were drinking blue it looks like um when you like wash your paint brushes in water
0: i'm having flashbacks to when i have like empty paint cans wait uh, this is a this is actually a quick do you know how they made that drink for them to drink on set
2: Sadly, I do. It was milk with um, uh, food coloring. So it was actually uh, blue okay. milk. <laughs> yeah,
1: wow.
0: They put blue food coloring yeah, blue in the milk. milk. Okay, that's know, actually really interesting.
1: Do you know this is something we talked about weeks ago when it showed up? Do you know what that drink that Servalan yeah. was
2: drinking was? Um, I I think that might have been Creme de Menthe. <laughs> <laughs> <Huh>. Okay, <laughs> which is just a, I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's like a really skanky drink that um it, it, I think it was big in the 70s um, I, I might be just making that up because i haven 't got to see those episodes yet I don't think so um, but that's the sort of stuff when i 'm watching the episodes and I you know I do my research but then I go through the episodes as well
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I try and I, if there's something that jumps out that you know, exactly like that i wonder what she was drinking i do try and do a bit more research so i think maybe i just haven't got to that one yet but something in the back of my mind is telling me that it's creme de menthe Mm -hmm. Hmm. so they were probably all smashed out of their faces (laughs) when they were filming those scenes. i want to see them
0: film an episode of blake seven where all the actors are just smashed (sighs) drunk
1: drunk like drunk history drunk
0: drunk seven seven. (laughs) Well, I
2: think they were in some. I think there yeah, was.
0: Good Chappelle's just got a flask and just slamming back vodka
2: shots behind the scenes. Well, there was one. Uh, sorry, I'm going completely off subject. But um, in when they were making Killer, um, Gareth Thomas and I think Ronald Lacey, the who was playing the the head of the cue base that they were on, they didn't think they would be needed again because there was loads of scenes that Paul Darrow and Michael Keating had to get through. Um, and Gareth Thomas just said to Ronald Lacey, look, they're, they're never going to get all that done. We'll just go to the bar. So they went to the bar and got absolutely, you know, they had, I don't know how many drinks. And then they got the call from the studio saying, no, Paul Darrow and Michael Keating are done. You're, you're on. You're, and, so they And you can actually tell in the episode, Gareth Thomas is kind of slurring his words slightly. And it's because Paul Darrow had said to Michael Keating, come on, we've got to do this. Let's race through this just so we can um, screw Carrot. Basically, <laughs> <It's> great- <laughs> <Wow. laughs>
0: That's something I feel like I would do. Let's race through this so we can get them back. Oh, that's a good story,
2: I think, that, I think it's
1: a very Paul Darrow story yeah, as is. well, based on what I've heard uh, you know, about him behind the scenes.
2: Well, I know this because I, I, I'm researching that whole that's where I'm at at the moment, just when they're making Killer. So there's, yeah, I think they had a lot of fun making that episode. Yeah.
0: That was a fun episode to watch. Yeah,
1: that was a good episode.
2: Yeah, it's a good one, yeah.
1: So uh, my question, just to remind you, is Servaland wears an asymmetrical outfit in this episode? Which side is the huge shoulder pad thing on? And it's on the right.
0: And then my question was, uh, when the Liberator leaves the planet at the start of the episode, when it's being attacked by the Federation, what quadrant does it leave through Alpha, Beta, Delta or Gamma and the answer was the Delta Quadrant although it's kind of a fake out because Silverland thinks they're going to go through the Alpha Quadrant because that's what the computers are saying but then they actually go through the Delta Quadrant right
2: it would have been great if they'd seen like the uh, Starship Voyager like <laughs> when, when <laughs> the Voyager <they> just flies
0: <laughs> by in the background like hey
2: weren't they in the Delta Quadrant I think they were I don't know yeah that was the Delta so, Quadrant because the Gamma yeah. Quadrant
0: was Deep Space Nine
2: yes I'm not quite up on all the Star Trek stuff so
0: <laughs> yes it was the Delta Quadrant for Voyager thought so yeah, so I guess that wraps up everything about this episode in particular, unless you have anything else you want to say, John.
2: I'm spent. You're I'm spent. A harvest of Kairos, yeah, definitely. Like Jarvik after his encounter with Serverland, I'm, I'm spent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, we do have one email then to respond to this week from our usual correspondent, Sergeant Dreno. John will be joining us in responding to this email. So I'm going to go ahead and read out the email. Subject line, the Harvest of Kairos? Hey guys! So, the Harvest of Kairos, I bet you guys are really liking Tarrant now, right? Isn't he just the coolest, most awesome space captain ever? Even Servaland is afraid to attack him, on account of he's such a great space captain. So much better than that boring old Blake character, am I right? And Avon just can't hold a candle to the awesome pillar of charisma that is Space Captain Tarrant, leader of the Liberator. I think Villa sums up Tarrant pretty well. Bit of a know-it-all, aren't you? Avon does it one better, I understand that this ship is the most powerful in the galaxy and that you are the most astute space warfare commander, or so you tell us often enough. Jarvik is great, I love the interplay between him and Servalan. Woman, you are beautiful. But first, there is the question of that degrading and primitive act to which I was subjected into the cold control room. I'd like you to do it again. Ah, yeah! Did you spot them celebrating their victory by slurping up some delicious blue milk with their silly straws? See, attached. So like I said, we're <laughs> going to put that picture in the show notes. Too bad his ticket gets punched by accident. He would have been a cool recurring character. At least he was never really bested by the Liberator crew. Avon's Pet Rock subplot was enjoyable. Did you spot where they were going with it? Or did the twist with the moonlander surprise you? All in all, another great episode. In my opinion, 7 out of 7. Sergeant Draynor, Station 7 at the door. So we found another person who loved this episode in Sergeant Draynor who gave it a 7 out of 7.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm so pleased. Maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe everyone loves it. I, but it yeah I'm, I'm delighted i love it too
0: you can put out a twitter poll when you get there on your twitter account do we love the harvest of kairos <laughs> yes or yes. no yes or <laughs> yes yes or yes <laughs> yes but in red or something
2: yeah i might do a special um week of tweets about harvest of kairos because it's um there's a bit of a gap between but right before the usual twitter stuff takes off so maybe i'll do a bit of hype and build up and make everyone love the episode as as much <laughs> make efficient.
0: everyone love the episode yeah <laughs> Well, I think uh, in regards to responding to Drano's email, I didn't see where the Pet Rock subplot was going. And like I said, I'm actually kind of glad Jarvik died off. I feel like it would have gotten really <laughs> grating if he was here for like even just one more week. Right.
2: Well, you do know that's not the last we see of the Sopron, right? Uh, I didn't mm, know that, yeah, but I, they, I know that now. Yeah. <laughs> the season finale is actually called Sopron. Hmm.
0: Is it? And it's, Did it's, I never notice this before?
2: And I, I don't want to spoil it, obviously, but um, basically the Rock and i don't want to spoil it but you it, it does come into its own um as the series progresses
0: interesting
2: it, it's making, basically the figurative like eight that. character it, yeah it lakes eight from here on i can't i can't do this to you guys i'm making that up that's it's never it's never heard of again wow, <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> so much like every other character brought onto the liberator who's not a main character pretty much who pretty much. is on the liberator at the end of the episode but then at the next episode is like mysteriously disappeared
1: Maybe the treasure
0: room is actually just like a room where they just store all the bodies of all the people who are on the liberate at the end of the episode but have disappeared by the next episode.
2: Maybe they're all just wandering around the corridors. Maybe, maybe they're lost the forever. Day. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, where's the moon disk? I want to see a moon disk Sopron spin off, honestly. Let's see the Sopron <laughs> interact with the moon disk, frankly.
2: Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Wow, that, I, I mean. Moon Disc, you are beautiful. Uh, I mean,
0: the Moon not. Disc is completely MIA <laughs> off to shadow, frankly. Callie, like, brings one up as a pet and she's like, look, if you just talk to it, it'll be fine. And then it's just gone.
2: But you, maybe that's off screen. It's an off screen adventure. Maybe Big Finish will do something with that, you know?
0: <laughs> Big Finish, the, the harvest of Moon Disc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moon Disc versus Sopron, like Batman v Superman, but. But Moondisc and Sopron, anyway.
2: <laughs> that's, um, you've got to write that. You should get the copyright on that. That's a great idea. <laughs> the Moondisc versus Sopron. Yeah, I'd, I'd pay sure. to listen to that. <laughs>
1: I'm sure with how, big, how much Big Finish tries to cash in, they'll uh, jump on it eventually. Snap that uh, uh, right away.
0: Anyway, I think that brings us right to the end of this episode, which is usually where we plug ourselves. But before we do that, we'll let John here plug... Uh, plug all of his everything wherever he wants to to send our dear listener
1: next next
2: (laughs) yeah if if you want to if you're on twitter you by all means follow me that'd be great it's at making blake seven and it's basically an insane amount of trivia um and rare pictures and what have you about the making of each episode as they were doing it 40 years ago so that's it
0: that's good it's a great account i follow it it's awesome we follow it from the decorative vegetable account and that account is how this very informative episode was set up. So thank you for coming on the show, John, actually.
2: No, yeah, I really appreciate it. it. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. And you keep up the good work of the podcast. I, I really enjoy listening to it every week and, um, oh, thank, you. I, thank you. Refreshing hearing yeah, fresh perspectives.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I really, I really enjoyed this.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: And there's, I think potential for us to do it one more time, possibly in Series D sometimes. Oh, that's my
2: favorite series. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be back in a heartbeat.
0: So if there's, a, if there's an episode you want to do, except for Orbit, which has already been claimed, uh, just let us know. And... Shall I let
2: you know now? Or shall we do yeah, that? If okay, you on. want
0: to do it right now, if there's an episode you want to reserve right now, <laughs> live on the air.
2: Oh, um, can I go for the first episode of Series 4? Is, is that two Yeah, is that too key an episode though? Would you guys rather do that one? No, no. Uh,
0: any episode is available to you except, like I said, Orbit, which has already been claimed by Sergeant Drano. So, if you'd like to be on for Rescue, we'd love to have Ah, you back.
2: Yeah, it's my favorite episode of (laughs) World Seven.
0: Okay, perfect. We'll set up all the uh, logistics of that uh, off recording. I think. Yeah, fantastic. And anyway, if you would like to email us, any of you dear listeners, you can reach us at the doctor at decorativevegetable.com with your questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on the harvest of Kairos and the Kairopan and the Sopron, and everything seems to end in honor and in this show. You can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show.
1: Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also, check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time, we're watching City at the Edge of the World. But until then, the end.